Hi, this is Steve with Thresher Media Group. Welcome to When You're Ready to Listen. This podcast is dedicated to exploring the truth about God, things you may not have understood, may not have been taught, or quite frankly, had a very hard time believing. And since our entire relationship with God rests on believing, it is important we learn how to separate the truth from the many lies and fictions that abound within the religion of Christianity. So when you're ready to listen, tune in and discover a pathway to freedom, encouragement, life, and hope. Episode 78, Revelation 10, verses 3 through 11. In our last podcast, we studied this strong angel bearing the attributes of the angel of the Lord, Jesus Christ himself, in the form he appeared in the Old Testament. Revisiting the image with the cloud the sun, and the pillars of fire, and we can throw in the seven thunders, this image communicates that this angel comes with a storm. He comes in judgment. He comes to conquer, but he also comes with a promise, the rainbow. And he intends on completing it now, not later. We will see this in the oath that he took. And since he's a strong or forcible angel, he has the innate power and the ability to follow through and fulfill every judgment and every promise. John was then required to participate in the vision as he was commanded to take a little scroll from the hand of the strong angel and eat it. This scroll contains information that Yahweh wants to be in John. It is not information that he is just to observe and pass on to us. Rather, it first must be within him. He must eat it and internalize the ramifications of this information. Due to the content of the scroll and the terrifying prophecies it contains, the scroll was sweet to the taste but it was caused to be bitter in his stomach. Then the strong angel cried out like a mighty roar, proclaiming the coming judgments of Yahweh that will be precipitated by the blowing of the seventh trumpet. It is the roar of one who is ready to pounce, one who is springing into action. And with this review, let's now pick up with the seven thunders. Seven thunders, Revelation 10, three through four. And when he had cried out, the seven peals of thunder uttered their voices. When the seven peals of thunder had spoken, I had already been about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up the things which the seven peals of thunder have spoken, and do not write them. The roar of this angel is answered by the voices of the seven thunders. There are five key aspects to this image that we need to focus on. Number one, voices. Number two, The definite article, the. Number three, seven. Number four, thunders. And number five, seal up. First, the seven thunders spoke with clear voices, such that John understood what they said, so much so that he had been ready to write down what they said. Second, these are not just thunders, but they are the seven thunders. The use of the definitive article, the, in effect, personifies the thunder and ascribes to them some sort of sentient personhood with clear and articulate communication abilities. This may seem odd, but the codex reveals that Yahweh answers in thunder and his voice is like thunder. Third, the fact that there are voices of seven, seven thunders, is a clear code as seven is the number indicating completeness. The number seven is used 55 times in Revelation, 
which is probably in and of itself another embedded code, five upon five or grace upon grace. We have seen seven churches, seven lampstands, seven stars, seven spirits before his throne, seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, seven seals, a lamb with seven eyes and seven horns, seven angels who stand before God, seven trumpets, and now seven thunders. There'll be more sevens, seven heads, seven diadems, seven plagues, seven golden bowls of wrath, seven mountains, and finally, seven kings. Thus, all that is associated with the unveiling of Jesus Christ, symbolized through the number seven, is complete and therefore lacking nothing. Therefore, by definition, there's nothing else to add to the narrative or to take away from it. Hence, the intense warning at the end of Revelation. Revelation 22. 18 through 19. I now testify to everyone who is now hearing the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues which have been caused to be written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city, which have been caused to be written in this book. Again, the point being that all that is associated with the unveiling of Jesus Christ symbolized through the use of the number seven, is complete and lacking nothing. Thus, this message of the seven thunders is complete. Yahweh said exactly what he wanted to say, no more and no less. Fourth, there is the thunder. As stated in the Codex, Yahweh answers in thunder and his voice is like thunder. As we know, thunder breaks forth like a clap, like a detonation of sorts, followed by a loud and tumultuous rumble. It's very interesting that if you're not ready for it, the sound of the thunder can cause you to jump and even drop to the ground. I don't know if you've experienced this, but there are times in the midst of a big storm that I sensed God was speaking through the thunderous roars, and he probably was. Earlier in Revelation 4, we are told that the peals of thunder, or voices, were heard coming from the throne of God. And in Revelation 8, when the angel took the censer, filled it with fire, and threw it to the earth, there were peals of thunder, voices, also likely coming from the throne of God. And then there is Psalm 29, which connects the thunders to the voice of God. Psalm 29, ascribe to Yahweh, O sons of the mighty, ascribe to Yahweh glory and strength, ascribe to Yahweh the glory due his name, worship Yahweh in the beauty of holiness. The voice of Yahweh is upon the waters, the God of glory thunders. Yahweh is over many waters. The voice of Yahweh is powerful. The voice of Yahweh is majestic. The voice of Yahweh breaks the cedars. Yes, Yahweh breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of Yahweh hews out flames of fire. The voice of Yahweh shakes the wilderness. Yahweh shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of Yahweh makes the deer to calve and strips the forest bare. And in his temple, everyone cries glory. Yahweh sat as king at the flood. Yes, Yahweh sits as king forever. Yahweh will give strength to his people. Yahweh will bless his people with peace. The Spirit's point is that the voice of Yahweh, as it thunders forth, is so powerful that it sets things into motion, things both in the seen and unseen realms. For instance, after the flood, with the voice of his thunder, The waters that covered the mountains were caused to recede or hurry away. And he set a boundary that they may not pass so that they will not return to cover the earth. 
And with his voice of great thunder, he so confused the Philistines that they were completely routed before Israel. After this battle, the prophet Samuel took a stone and named it Ebenezer and established a boundary saying, thus far, Yahweh has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued, did not come anymore within the border of Israel. And the hand of Yahweh was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. And concerning the final judgment of Ariel, which is a powerful, but also somewhat of an intense synonym for Jerusalem in the book of Isaiah, Yahweh declares woe upon the city. Then the prophet Isaiah prophesies about the day of Yahweh, which God will send all the nations to punish Jerusalem. From Yahweh Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, you will be punished with thunder and earthquake and loud noise, whirlwind and tempest, and the flame of a consuming fire. By the way, Ariel literally means lion of God. But it's also the name of the altar of blood sacrifice, indicating that Israel's true strength, like a lion, comes by way of blood sacrifice, which provides a covering for their sin and an open connection to Yahweh. Elihu, in the book of Job, also reflected on the thunders which comes forth from Yahweh. And he said in Job 37, 1 through 5, At this also my heart trembles and leaps from his place. Listen closely to the thunder of his voice and the rumbling that goes out from his mouth. Under the whole heaven, he lets it loose and his lightning to the ends of the earth. After it, a voice roars. He thunders with his majestic voice and he does not restrain the lightnings when his voice is heard. God thunders with his voice wondrously, doing great things which we cannot comprehend. What a powerful statement. God thunders with his voice wondrously, doing great things which we cannot comprehend. Echoing this understanding, Job also declared that no one can be caused to understand his mighty thunder. Fifth, John understood the words the voices spoke as he was already about to now write what he heard. But he was stopped in his tracks and commanded by a voice in heaven now saying to him to seal up or literally place a signet marker over what the voices of the seven thunders uttered, a seal that would not be broken. And with the use of the present active participle, this voice even now continues as a reminder that this complete utterance is to be sealed up. As Job said, no one can be caused to understand his mighty thunder. God clearly did not want John sharing with us what they said. As they say, it was for his eyes or his ears only. So what is the point of telling us about the seven thunders and their clear communication if it was not going to be shared, but sealed up? In the past, God revealed things to the prophet Daniel, and he told Daniel to seal them up. But in those instances, Daniel was allowed to write down the prophetic images. It is just that the understanding would be sealed up until the time of the end. Thus, Daniel was in effect instructed to not seek out understanding for himself. Accordingly, much of the end times narrative that comes from the book of Daniel has only recently been understood or unveiled by the Spirit. Something very similar happened in that passage previously referenced in Isaiah regarding the day of Yahweh and the judgment of Ariel. Isaiah 29, 11-14 The entire vision will be to you like the words 
of a sealed book, which when they give it to the one who is literate saying, please read this, he will say, I cannot for it is sealed. Then the book will be given to the one who is illiterate saying, please read this. And he will say, I cannot read. Then Yahweh said, because this people draw near with their words and honor me with their lip service, but they remove their hearts far from me and their reverence for me consists of tradition learned by rote. Therefore, behold, I will once again deal marvelously with this people, wondrously marvelous, and the wisdom of their wise men will perish and the discernment of the discerning men will be concealed. So God seals up the mysteries of his thunderous voice, largely as an act of mercy. He knows full well that if what he has spoken is made known, then all of us would be accountable to whatever it is that he said. But the hearts of far too many are far from him. And so in sealing the communication of his voice of seven thunders, he is mercifully limiting the extent of judgment that will come upon those in his own household. Those who should now be having ears to hear what the Spirit now says to the churches. Okay, that was interesting. But once again, we must ask, what is the point of telling us about the seven thunders and their clear communication if it was not going to be shared even on a limited basis with those who are now having ears to hear what the Spirit now says to the churches? Remember, the Spirit made the point in Psalm 29 that the voice of Yahweh as it thunders forth, is so powerful that it sets things into motion, things both in the seen and the unseen realms. Yes, God thunders with his voice wondrously, doing great things which we cannot comprehend. And though we might not have the thunderous declarations written down, we will see the effects of every word with the blowing of the seventh trumpet. Once that trumpet blows, everything will be different and the entirety of God's enormous plan will begin to come to fruition. It is time to get ready for an amazing journey through these next chapters in Revelation, where we will see this unfolding of his mighty words, particularly in chapters 11 and 14, especially 14, and the background stories given to us in chapters 12 and 13. On the one hand, it'll be something wonderful, majestic, glorious, and so far beyond what we can truly understand. On the other hand, it'll be similar to what Hannah, the mother of Samuel, the prophet once declared, 1 Samuel 2.10. Those who contend with Yahweh will be shattered. Against them, he will thunder in the heavens. Yahweh will judge the ends of the earth, and he will give strength to his king and will exalt the horn of his anointed. Finally, through telling us about the seven thunders and their utterances, Yahweh is reminding us that he is the Alpha. Thus, all things originate in him and from him. He speaks and all manner of things are set into motion in both the seen and unseen realms and the natural realms. And nothing happens that does not begin with him. He is Yahweh, our Adonai Shaddai, the Lord our God Almighty. The Oath, Revelation chapter 10, verse 5 through 7. Then the angel whom I saw had been standing on the sea and on the land, lifted up his right hand to heaven and swore by him who is now living forever and ever, who created heaven and the things in it and the earth and the things in it and the sea and the things in it, that there will choose to be delay, literally time, no longer. 
But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he is now about to now sound, then the mystery of God will be caused to be finished as he preached to his servants, the prophets. Next, there comes a fantastic oath from this strong angel. He raised his right hand to heaven, the right hand being a symbol of power and authority, and literally swears that there will choose to be time no longer. The translators took this idea and connected it with this mystery that is to be finished in connection with the blowing of the seventh trumpet, and therefore translated it as there would be no more delay or no more time will pass before this mystery is completed. Another way to express this is that for some, the time is up. And for others, the time is now. Strap on your seatbelt. The remaining Revelation narrative is going to be a very bumpy ride. Sabbath rest. The strong angel draws from the codex and quotes from a passage in Exodus, which is all about the seventh day of rest. The complete quote is, For in six days Yahweh made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore Yahweh blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Accordingly, this strong angel is swearing by him who lives forever and ever that the Sabbath rest, promised to those who are now overcoming, who are not found in unbelief, has arrived. No more work, no more toil, no more suffering, and no more tears. It is now to be a time of rest. The time is now. The mystery, Revelation 10:7. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he is now about to now sound, then the mystery of God will be caused to be finished as he preached to his servants, the prophets. At this stage in the Revelation narrative, it has been approximately three and a half years, about halfway through the tribulation. And it has been a brutal experience. But now the promise confirmed and guaranteed by the rainbow will be completed and all true believers will be rescued. The time is now. This mystery that he has declared to his servants, the prophets, is one single mystery. It is rendered in the singular and not the plural. But it has nine facets, which according to the code, speaks of judgment. All these nine aspects of the mystery will be completed, or better said, begin their completion with the blowing of the seventh trumpet judgment. In other words, this strong angel swears that all things will now be wrapped up completed, brought to fulfillment. Again, for some, the time is up. It is time for judgment. And for others who have been waiting on Yahweh, the time is now. And although there are nine facets to this mystery, they all dovetail together to bring completion to the phenomenal plan of God in respect to all his bondservants from both the Jews and the Gentiles who enter their eternal Sabbath. By the way, this mystery has been kept secret for ages. Not that it was not evident all throughout the Codex, but it was not understood until the Spirit of God lifted the veil and disclosed the secret to his servants, the prophets. Romans 16, 25 through 26. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. The nine facets of the mystery. This mystery is comprised of the following nine facets. Number one, 
Christ, God's mystery. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Number two, the unity of all things in Christ. In him, we now have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fulfillment of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Number three, the hardening of the hearts of the Jews until the number of Gentiles that are appointed for salvation are saved. Lest you now be wise in your own conceits, I want you to understand this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be caused to be saved as it has been caused to be written. Number four, the Gentiles are fellow heirs in Christ. When you are now reading this, you perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which has not been caused to be made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been caused to be revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Number five, the mystery of the church, the seven stars and the seven lampstands. As for the mystery of the seven stars, which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Number six, the rapture of the church. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all be caused to sleep, but we shall all be caused to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be caused to be raised imperishable and we shall be caused to be changed. Number seven, the mystery of the coming union of Christ and the church symbolized by the union of a husband and wife. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall choose to become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I now speak about Christ and the church. Number eight, the mystery of lawlessness or the kingdom of the beast. For the mystery of lawlessness chooses to already be at work. Only he who is now holding down, suspending, will do so until he chooses to be taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be caused to be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming, whose presence now is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all powers and signs and false wonders. Number nine, the mystery of the woman who rides the beast and mystery Babylon. And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness. And I saw a woman now choosing to be sitting on a scarlet beast, now being full of blasphemous names, now having seven heads and 10 horns. The woman had chosen to have been clothed in purple and scarlet 
and chosen to be adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, now having in her hand a gold cup, now being full of abominations and of unclean things of her immorality. And on her forehead a name was caused to be written, a mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman now being drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the witness of Jesus. When I saw her, I wondered or admired greatly. And the angel said to me, why do you wonder? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that is now carrying her, which is now having the seven heads and the 10 horns. Yahweh announced all these nine mysteries to his servants, the prophets. And as with everything which Yahweh speaks, it always comes to fruition. For a time, these mysteries were not understood, though they had been revealed. But now the Spirit has unveiled their understanding to everyone who is now having the ears to hear what the Spirit now says to the churches. I love the fact that God does not do things by surprise, but always reveals his plans. Surely, Yahweh does nothing unless he reveals his secret counsel to his servants, the prophets. And remember, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? The completion of the mystery is the final summation of all of God's plans to redeem his chosen ones, to wed his chosen ones, to judge those who have loved lawlessness, to purify the earth through judgment and fire, to put an end to religion and spiritual profiteering, and to establish his rule and reign upon the earth and the sea. Timing of events. The angel was clear, but in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he is about to now sound, then the mystery of God will be caused to be finished as he preached to his servants, the prophets. This indicates that the summation of all these events is not going to happen all at once. Rather, near and surrounding the blowing of the seventh trumpet, these events will transpire or be caused to be set in motion. There will be a span of days, months, over which it will happen. For example, the slaughter of many believers will occur slightly before the angel blows the seventh trumpet. But the rapture of the church happens simultaneously with the blowing of the seventh or the last trumpet. Then there's the union or the marriage supper of the lamb, which occurs while the seven bowls of wrath are being poured out upon the earth after the seventh trumpet is blown. During this time, believers are hiding in their temporary homes, which Jesus has prepared for them in heaven, while the time of indignation or wrath runs its course. In addition, during this time, God uses the beast to obliterate religion from the face of the earth. So again, the fulfillment of all these mysteries is not going to be instantaneous. But with this seventh trumpet, all will be brought forth and caused to be set in motion, just as he said. Prophecy, Revelation 10:11. And they now say to me, you now must prophesy again concerning many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. There is a sudden switch in narration as the angel is no longer the only one addressing John, but they now say to him. Suddenly, there's a plurality addressing John. Perhaps this instruction came from the strong angel and the voice from heaven, and maybe even the seven thunders, those who were speaking, now say to John that he now must prophesy again concerning many peoples and nations 
and tongues and kings. Having absorbed the scroll into his being, John is ready to continue to unveil the events of the end times, beginning with the events surrounding the blowing of the seventh trumpet. Remember, there will be no more delay. The time is up, and the time is now. To get a free download of the full written transcript with all the scripture references footnoted, please go to threshermediagroup.com. That is T-H-R-E-S-H-E-R mediagroup.com. This is Steve with Thresher Media Group. When you're ready to listen, tune in.